Before we get started, I want us to do a quick activity. Everybody pull out your phone right now, your smartphone or your device. Maybe you brought an iPad today to take notes on. What I'd love for you to do real quick is I want you to plot out or map out how you would go from this location, Journey Church International, to Denver, Colorado. Get directions right now. Use your Google Maps or your map app and chart out a course to Denver, Colorado and see how quickly you can find that um, that route. While you're looking, I just want to welcome you. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on the ministry team. And let me be one of the first to say Happy New Year. And it, I kind of had one of those moments while I was praying this morning that this is the last Sunday of an entire decade. Uh, this is the end of the, uh, of the decade. We start next Sunday, a brand new decade. And so this is exciting. Uh, this is an exciting opportunity to hit the reset button um, for our lives. Now, uh, hopefully by now you found directions because it's usually pretty quick. Uh, and, and I did this earlier this week, and this is kind of the route that you should have received, right? It's, a, it's really just almost a straight shot. Get as quickly as you can to I-70 and head west, right? Um, your course should be about 630 miles. Is that what you came up with right from this location, about 630 miles? It should take you about nine hours and 35 minutes. Is that what you all came up with? Very, something like that. Maybe you're going maybe just a couple different um, turns here in the city. Um, every year, my family sets out this course. We, in fact, after the last Christmas service for the last few years, we've gotten in a car and we've traveled west. My family lives in Denver, and we usually make it kind of a little ski vacation. We love skiing in the mountains. And so every year, we'll load up the car right before the final service, the final Christmas service. We'll pack it full of ski gloves and, and hats and, and coats and our boots, and we'll get in the car, and we'll head immediately west towards Denver. Our intent, our intentions are to go skiing in the mountains, and we look forward to it almost every year. This year, I got to hang out. We kind of had a low-key Christmas this year, so we hung out in the Kansas City area. But generally, we're in the mountains about this time skiing. A couple years ago, we were on this journey together as a family. And if you've ever driven between here and Denver, you, your goal is to get to Colby, Kansas. If you can get to Colby, Kansas, you're almost there. Why is Colby significant? Because it's the only, really the only Starbucks between here and Denver. Truth. It's the only. If you go to Oasis of the Plains in Colby, Kansas, there's a little Starbucks that you can get a coffee that'll help you take you to your final destination in Denver. Well, we got off at Colby, got our, got our coffee, and then we got back on the road, and I allowed my wife... Let me... I did it again. I did not allow my wife. She had the opportunity to take over the driver's seat and drive our vehicle as far as possible, because usually by that time, I'm really, really tired. And so we got back on the highway, and about 30 minutes down the road, we realized that we were headed back to Kansas City. <laughs> Have you ever done that before? No? Okay, it's just a Reeves. We were headed in the wrong direction for 30 minutes. Now, our intent was to get to Denver to go skiing. That was our plan, but we were headed in the wrong direction. And if we stayed on that pathway, we would have never arrived. Listen, that's a picture of what I want to talk to you about today. 
I want to talk to you about how important it is to establish good direction in our life. One of my favorite pastors is a man by the name of Andy Stanley. He pastors a very large church in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he, it's called North Point, And he says this. It's called the principle of the path. And it's simply this thought. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Let me say that one more time. Direction, where you're headed, not your intention, determines your destination. And today we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 7. This is a great opportunity to open your app now. Uh, Open up your Bible. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to learn from Proverbs chapter 7. And the author who wrote it, which was a man named Solomon, and he's going to teach us a lot about the importance of establishing good direction in our life. It's really a simple message today. And many of the truths that we're going to talk about, you already know, but I just want to put them within context of our scripture today. And I really have two goals. They're really simple. The first one is is this, to show you how living without direction in your life can be extremely dangerous. Living without direction in your life, in my life, can be extremely dangerous. And the second one is this, is to help us get 2020, not just the year, but the entire decade, get launched in the right direction. And we're going to learn from one of the wisest men to ever walk on this planet, a man by the name of Solomon. He's going to teach us some pretty important truth today. And if you're in the room today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of still checking things out, today's passage is the beauty of the Bible. It's so applicable. And I pray today that God allows your heart to be open and to hear how practical The wisdom of the Bible can be in your own life because you don't have to be a Christian to follow these simple truths today. Uh, Before we jump into our passage, let me just kind of paint a picture of what Solomon, uh, how important Solomon was in in, in, in Israel's history. Some fast facts on Solomon. Solomon was one was the son of King David. And the third and final leader of the United of United Israel, David was the king of Israel. If you remember, uh, David was the man who killed Goliath. He would become the king of Israel, and he had a son named Solomon. And Solomon would be the final leader of a united Israel. If, if following the reign of Solomon, Israel would be divided in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Solomon was the wisest person to have ever uh, lit, to, to have lived in his lifetime. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we read a really neat story of where God gave Solomon one wish, one request. Solomon, you can have anything you want in this world. And Solomon asked for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. And because of that, he was one of the wisest men to live during his lifetime. Solomon had established a very lucrative commerce for the nation of Israel. It was, a, it was a really good time to live in Israel underneath the reign of Solomon. Why? Because he was, he was fortifying cities, he was building palaces, and the big thing that he did is that he built the temple to God for the nation of Israel to come and worship God. And David, David, his dad, received the plans to build the temple, but Solomon was the one that filled, fulfilled the plans and finally completed the temple. But the sad reality is, is he also, in his lifetime, built temples to other false gods. 
Solomon had a very healthy marriage at first. You can read about his healthy marriage in Song of Solomon. If you've never read Song of Solomon, it's a little spicy. It's really, really, really interesting book. And you can read about his, his, his marriage. But sadly, later on in his life, we learn that Solomon had over 600 wives and 300 concubines. Solomon had all the best intentions in, in life, but he sadly went down some wrong directions. And then finally, Solomon is responsible for writing uh, three really, really neat books in the Old Testament that we have. The Song of Solomon, as I mentioned, the Proverbs that we're going to read today, and then a book called Ecclesiastes. Now, it's debatable when Solomon wrote the Proverbs that we're going to read about today, but it's my contention based upon how his life ended, that Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs towards the middle to the end of his life. It was almost as if he was looking back on his life and he, he was telling us, here's where I got it right, here's what I did to get it right, and here's what I did when I got it wrong. And so with that in mind, we're going to read Proverbs chapter 7. But before we dive in, let's pray. It's kind of a tradition we have here at Journey is to pray before we jump into the Word. So let's do that together and let's just pause. Heavenly Father, we do that. We want to pause right now and, and our ultimate goal is to hear from you. Lord, I pray that, uh, that as people just kind of quiet their hearts from the busy Christmas season, Lord, help them to be in this moment right now. You speak, us, speak to us in the present, in the moments, and Lord, let that be right now. Father, pray, uh, we pray to all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read Proverbs chapter 7. Really intriguing chapter, and, and I, and I want to dive in with it to you. So it says this, my son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Solomon is writing to his son. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and say to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Let me pause for just a moment. Solomon's saying, listen, this is really important that I have to share with you. And then Solomon, in verse 6, is going to begin a little narrative, a little story to kind of help drive home his point. He says this in verse 6, at the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. Solomon is looking at a story with a, uh, with a, with a higher perspective. He's looking down, and he's going to talk to us about an event in a person's life. And Solomon's sharing wisdom with his son, but I believe God is sharing wisdom with you and I today. Solomon's looking at his son's life, and he's looking at it with the end in mind. And God sees your life as well, and I believe he has your best interests in mind. So if direction, not intention, determines your destination, it would be wise of us. It would be good of us to listen to the words of Solomon today. And here's what I believe. I believe this, that none of you woke up this morning thinking about 2020, and you're saying, I pray that 2020 is the worst year of my life. None of you are praying that. None of you are looking at the next decade and saying, boy, I pray that the next decade is the worst I've ever experienced. I believe this, that we're all looking at it and we're saying, we want to have the greatest year yet. We want to have the greatest impact. We want to have uh, the strongest family. And so with all of that, I think it would be good of us to walk through this passage together and pull out 
three very important directional truths. Three truths about directional living that we can learn from this story today. The first one is this. The daily decisions we make will have a long-lasting impact. The daily decisions that we make will have long-lasting impact. Look at verse 7 with me real quick. Verse 7 through 12, Solomon says this, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. It's interesting. Solomon uses this word simple. He uses this word simple. He saw among, out in the street, the simple. You know, the word simple, it refers to this idea of being naive. Being naive. The naive make decisions for the immediate without considering the long-term consequences. And the young man, as Solomon is looking out into this narrative, he sees this story playing out. He, he sees this young man heading in the, the wrong direction. It, it's dark. It's when the prostitutes would come out and, in biblical times, and, and the, the, the women would have different intentions. The, the young man probably did not wake up that morning and say, today I intend to ruin my life. Uh, but the decisions that he would make would have tremendous impact on him later. You know, the story today is in context with uh, adultery or a sexual immorality. But as I read this story, it, it also applies true to, to a sin of all sorts in our lives. You see, the, the, the intention of the prostitute was, was much different than the intention of the young man. The young man's intention was momentary satisfaction. I just want to fulfill my desire in this moment. The woman's intention was much different. She wanted to use this as an opportunity to ensnare, to, to, to steal, to kill, and maybe even destroy a young man's life. You see, the young man was making a momentary bad decision that will have long-lasting impact. Uh, a few years ago, I read a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. If you're in the business world, you probably have read this. It's a great book. He's a great author. But he also wrote a book called How the Mighty Fall. How the Mighty Fall. And in this book, Jim talks about decision-making. And I love what he says. Look, look at what Jim Collins says in How the Mighty Fall. Bad decisions made with good intentions are still what? Bad decisions. Bad decisions made with good intentions are still bad decisions. You see, the young man in our story thinks that this momentary decision that he's about ready to make, to be in this relationship with this woman, is an event. It's going to be a singular event. But he's not considering what it may look like in the end. And Solomon would give us wise counsel a little bit later in Proverbs. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, look at what Solomon says. There is a way. I love that word way. There's a direction. There's a pathway. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. You see, we have to teach our young people. We have to take this in mind that we need to make decisions with the end in mind and not 
just to fulfill an immediate desire. I call those type of decisions rocking chair decisions. I brought a rocking chair on stage. Um, I'm only going to sit in it for a few moments, but I have a vision, a dream of what my life, what I'd love to see my life look like later on. My wife and I just yesterday celebrated 24 years of marriage. It's awesome. And I pray 24, 25 years from now, I will, make, I will, I will be in this, this picture. I picture myself sitting with my wife next to me, maybe in her own rocking chair, maybe drinking an iced tea or a lemonade, rocking back and forth and reflecting upon the goodness of God in our lives. Reflecting upon how our, our kids have grown up and become strong followers of Jesus. Maybe the grandkids or great-grandkids are out in, the, out in the front yard and they're playing or throwing the football. And my wife and I sitting on our front porch, rocking our chair back and forth, just reflecting on the goodness of God. Whenever I'm faced with a tough decision, I think about this rocking chair. Why? Because the decisions that I make today will impact tomorrow. The moral decisions that I make the, the, the financial decisions that I make, the professional decisions that I make, the spiritual decisions that I make, those decisions will impact tomorrow. And if I want this picture to become a reality in my life, I need to be more careful with the decisions that I make. We need to teach this to our young people. We need to take this advice as well, these rocking chair decisions. What picture do you have for the end or the, the closing years of your life? Do you want to look back on your past life with fondness? We've got to make decisions with the end in mind. Direction number one, the daily decisions that I make will have long-lasting impact. But direction number two is this. The friends that surround us will influence our future. The friends that surround us will influence our future. Look at what he says in verses 15, 13 through 15. Solomon says this, she took hold of him as he, as, he, as he continues to paint this narrative that's taken place. She took hold of him and, and, and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. You see, the young man doesn't seem to put, much up, put, put up much of a fight, does he? He, he accepts this invitation from this woman who had all the wrong intentions. And this is a great warning for you and for me. You and I have to be very, very careful who we invite to be in our lives. I want you to think about the friends that you have surrounding you today. Are they individuals that when you're around them, they're encouraging you and they're lifting you up? When you're around them, do they make you a better person when you hang out with them? Do they, they cause you and inspire you to make good decisions? Do they challenge you to follow Jesus closer and closer each and every day? Here's a, here's a more impactful question or a deeper question. When you're hanging out with these people, would Jesus hang out with you during those moments? I had a youth leader tell me a long time ago, Brandon, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I had to make some hard decisions younger in life. Even later in life, I had to make hard decisions on, on what friends would I would allow to be in my life. And I know this to be true. You know this to be true. And, and maybe you've learned from 
rough, experience, uh, rough and tough experiences, who we allow to be in our life will either give us peace or they'll give us problems, right? Have you ever had those type of relationships? Who we allow to be in our lives will either give us peace or they'll give us problems. But Solomon tells us we get to choose. We get to choose. In Proverbs 12, verse 26, he says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, as I read this narrative um, earlier this week, there's a deeper implication. There's something severely missing in the life of this young man. Interestingly, the young man was all alone. There's no mention of any of his friends. He's on the street at night where the danger lurks. And I asked the question, where were his friends that, were, that should be surrounding him to properly guide him and, and direct them? We have to. We have to invite people into our lives that will have our best interests in mind, that, that are not afraid to hold us accountable, to help us make the wise choices. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 13, verse 20, he says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools comes harm, suffers harm. January is an important month for us at Journey because it's what we call our group up time. We want you to be plugged into a group with other followers of Jesus, growing and maturing in and, and your faith. And we, it's, it's really, really important that you do that. In fact, you heard mention of it in the announcements. January 19th is our group up gathering. If you're not involved in any type of a small group at all, we'd, encur- we'd encourage you, even challenge you, to go to group up gathering and get connected into a small group. Why? It's so important because it's walking with the wise, and we really have four, uh, four reasons to be plugged into a group. Four reasons. We've made it really easy to remember. It's called ESPN, right? ESPN. The first one is encouragement. The purpose of group is to be, seek encouragement from other others, to be lifted up and to be encouraged in a deeply discouraging time. We want you to study scripture together. There's something really special that a group that studies God's word together. And the third one is pray, praise together. A group that prays together is so impactful. Pray for each other's needs, pray for others in the community, pray for our world. It's so, so important. And the fourth one is simply this. We want you to be plugged into a group to encourage you to take your next steps spiritually, ESPN. I would add a fourth one on here, our fifth one. I would call it ESPN Plus, right? It's an added one. ESPN Plus, the plus is this, mutual accountability, when you're plugged into a group, you are mutually accountable to each other. You get, an, you get to have a group of friends that you can bounce ideas off of and, and talk about important decisions that you have to make. There's accountability there to help you make the wise decisions. And if you would love to get plugged into a group or love to get signed up for the group up gathering, you can do so by texting. Uh, can we go back to that slide real quick? Journey, uh, journey groups to 474747 to get signed up for group up gathering or just make a little comment on the connection card saying I'm interested in getting plugged into a group. Direction number one, the decisions that we make will have a long lasting impact. The friends that surround us will influence our future. But what else can we learn from Solomon? What else can we learn from Solomon in this passage? Direction number three, The priorities we establish now will propel us 
to where we want to go and who we want to become. Uh, the priorities we establish now will propel us to where we want to go and who we want to become. Look at verse 16 through 21. Now we kind of zoom in on the conversation that's taking place between the woman and the young man. Listen to what she says. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. Boy, this is enticing, right? She's talking about Egyptian linen now. Verse 17, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. She's made it like a little spa. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, what does he say? She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. You know, the young man began to pursue his desires, his comfort, and it led him astray. It led him astray. Listen, when you get comfortable in life, you begin to drift. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a common reality. When you get comfortable in life, you begin to drift. And here's an even deeper reality. When you begin to drift, you never drift to anything positive. Have you ever noticed that? When you drift physically, maybe in your physical health, you're like, I'm going to take it off, take a few weeks off of exercising, right? You never drift to anything positive, right? It happens in all areas of our life, and same thing spiritually. You never drift to anything positive. Have you ever gone paddleboarding? Ever gone paddleboarding, whether in a lake? We love paddleboarding in Florida. We, would love, we love mountain vacations, but we also love beach vacations. And we would often go on beach vacations when we lived in Florida, and we picked up the, the hobby of paddleboarding. And, and I remember teaching our kids at a young age how to paddleboard. We, if you get out in the Gulf of Mexico, it's, it's an incredible experience. The water's really calm on most days. Wildlife uh, ocean animals are all underneath you, and manta rays and dolphins. It's quite an experience, but it's, it's, it's actually a little intimidating because uh, when we taught my daughter how to paddleboard, uh, it was nerve-wracking because if you drop your paddle, you have no way of propelling yourself through the water. You, you, you're caught up, you could get caught up in the current. Um, if you fall off your, your board, then you got to get back on it. I mean, it, it's kind of dangerous. And when we were teaching my daughter how to paddleboard, actually, this was the image that came to my mind right here. <laughs> I mean, it's nerve-wracking. What if she loses her paddle? What if she loses her board? I'm not a good swimmer. Who's going to swim out and get her, right? These are the images that come into my mind. Drifting is not good spiritually either. It's extremely dangerous. In fact, Pastor Christian, a few weeks ago, I'll still, I still will never forget this. It's so important. It's so good. He says a priority of personal comfort in our lives can be dangerous spiritually. If your priority for 2020 is to be as comfortable as possible, Solomon is warning us. God is warning us. I'm providing some warning. It can be extremely dangerous to you spiritually. The pursuit of personal comfort in 2020 will cause you to drift spiritually. The pursuit of personal satisfaction in 2020 will cause you to drift spiritually. We have to. We have to establish the, the priority of living for Jesus. We have to establish that as a priority of living for Jesus in 2020. And if I could be just completely transparent with you today as we come to the close here in just a couple moments, living for Jesus is far from comfortable. 
it. Don't let anybody fool you that when you become a follower of Jesus and you begin to pursue a life uh, in, pers- in pursuit of Jesus and looking more and more like him, that everything's going to work out great and it's, it's going to be easy going. It's far from comfort. In fact, Jesus said, let me, let me tell you what it's like. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself. You need to put yourself lower on the priorities. You need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross and follow me. You know, the cross was not comfortable for Jesus. Following Jesus will be far from comfortable, but let me promise you it'll be the most satisfying thing you've done in your entire life. Denying yourself is establishing proper priorities in our life. My comfort, my desires need to be further down on the list. So what should be your priorities be for 2020? Let me just review just some, some, some priorities that maybe you want to put into your life. It's the priorities that we have here at Journey, and, and they're so applicable to our individual lives. What are our priorities? First, to know God. You want to put yourself in environments where you learn God, you learn about Him, you know Him in deeper ways. You're doing it right now. When you're in town, be at church. Come to church on Sundays. Let that be a priority not only for you, but for your entire family. Get to church. Know God. Number two, be transformed by God. Don't let it just be head knowledge. Let it be heart. Let let it take to your heart and allow the words and the things that we share to transform your lives. Maybe get plugged into a small group. Transformation takes place in discipleship. Get plugged into a discipleship group. Number three, find your purpose. Start serving. Start serving a journey, serving in the community. Find your purpose and get busy. Number four, make a difference. Make a difference. Ask God to have lasting impact, not only in your life, but through your life, in the lives of others. Make a difference, not only in the community, maybe beyond, maybe go on a mission trip. But set those as your priorities for 2020. And I promise you, you'll look back at the end of the year and you're gonna see deep, deep impact. One of the best things you can do, I promise you this, One of the best things you can do is to begin your year next Sunday, January 5th, as we begin our journey of prayer, our 21 days of prayer. It's coming up. It's one of the most impactful things we've done in the life of our church is our 21 days of prayer. And we're doing it again starting next Sunday. It's really special to see what is happening. And I would say, and I think Pastor Christian would say this as well, as a direct result of the prayer initiative that we've taken here at Journey. Get plugged into our 21 days of prayer. Every morning, beginning January 5th, we're going to open the day with prayer right here in this auditorium. Listen, prayer is the lifeline for strength as you begin to deny yourself, as you begin to take up your cross and follow Jesus. You cannot do it without prayer and intimacy with God. Solomon continues the story as he wraps up. Actually, he concludes the story of the young man and what happens. What happens if you live for the moment? What happens if you surround yourself with the wrong friends? What happens if you live without proper priorities? Look at verse 22 as we close. All at once, the young man followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. 
Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. It didn't end well for this young man. And if we don't establish these proper directional truths into our lives, it may not end well for us. So here's what I know. Whatever road you are on ultimately determines where you will end up every, every time. Your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. So let's get 2020 headed in the right direction. Let's get the next decade headed in the right direction. Let's listen to the words and the wisdom of Solomon and apply those into our lives. As I wrap up, we kind of have a tradition here at Journey. This time of year, we want you to begin thinking about the next year. And what one word would you use to describe your next year? What one word could you could encapsulate where you want to end up the year for 2020? You know, in 2018, my word was grit. I knew that in 2020, 2018, I wanted to end the year with greater determination. In 2019, last year, my word was devoted. I wanted to be a more devoted follower of Jesus. I wanted to be a more devoted father. I wanted to be a more devoted husband. I'm still working on my word for this year. But we want to tease that out. And many of you are going, okay, I don't know how to begin to think about what my word will be. Let me help you. We want you to look at your goals and priorities for 2020. Look at what, what are going to be some of your goals? What are some of your initiatives? Consider where you would like to be this Sunday or this, this time next year on December 31st, 2020. What do you want to look like? Where do you want to be emotionally? Where do you want to be relationally? Maybe physically, maybe spiritually. Are there any themes as you think about those? Are there any themes that come to your mind? And can those themes be described in just one word? Consider thinking about what one word will be will we'll encapsulate your 2020. And then allow God to move in your life in 2020. Sunday, December 27, 2020. That's the final Sunday of next year. Maybe you'll be able to reflect upon the previous year and maybe you'll be able to say, I've never been closer to Jesus than I am now. My family is stronger than ever before and I've never been more dependent on prayer and spiritual community. That's my prayer. And maybe that could be your prayer as well. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up today? Maybe just some thoughts to think of in the next quiet moments. What decisions are you potentially making right now in your life? Maybe you made some pretty dramatic decisions this last week that you're taking that are taking you off of the path of your desired destination. I thought about that this week. What decisions am I making that are maybe potentially taking off me off of the path of my desired destination? Maybe in this moment, ask God to forgive you and to, and to help you get back on track. What friends are you surrounding yourself with? What friends have you allowed into your life that are not helping you move any closer to your intended destination? Maybe you need to politely exit the relationship or maybe potentially tighten up the boundaries in that relationship. 
Thirdly, what priorities have you established that are helping you pursue Jesus more? What priorities of knowing God or asking God to transform your life or, or maybe to help you find your purpose or maybe to help you make a difference in the community? What, what priorities in those areas have you established? Maybe use this moment to, as a prayer of commitment. God, I'm going to do that. God, I pray right now you're speaking to hearts. Lord, I am so grateful for the words you gave Solomon and the wisdom. And Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful that they're in our Bibles and we can read about them and they're so applicable to our lives. God, I pray that 2020 is one of the best years of our lives because we've established proper priorities. We've set the right direction in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.